This is Live from the Table, the official podcast of New York's world-famous Comedy Cellar, coming at you on Sirius XM 99. <laughs> and on the left, the Laugh Button Podcast Network, Dan Natterman coming at you with Noam Dorman is here, the owner of the world-famous Comedy Cellar. We also have Periel Ashen, brand new as our producer, and she's a comic and a writer. And we have Danny Cohen, Comedy Cellar regular, Comedy Cellar podcast regular, <laughs> and all around regular, regular guy. <laughs> so welcome everybody. Uh, Noam, you're you're at home. Did you? Is any particular reason you're scared of the Delta? Is that why you don't want to come in the studio? Um, I I can't really say. I can't I can't say. I have I have reason to be home. I wasn't feeling well today, but it's not COVID. I'll I'll tell you off air, Dan. All right. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll message it to you. Uh, you don't have Zoom. Um, but uh, no, it's not because of Delta that I didn't come in. I just couldn't come in today. Not a problem. Uh, although we sometimes have sound issues with Zoom, so I want to keep Zooms to a minimum. But usually when it's only one person on Zoom, it's okay. Sometimes when we have more than one Zoom going, we get uh, sound issues. Um, anyhow. Uh, Can I just say that I um, have never seen Dan laugh so hard as he was just laughing downstairs. Will you tell that brief story? Uh, you mean about the wedding? No, about um, uh, Louis Schaefer. Oh, Louis Schaefer. Well, <laughs> oh, Schaefer. I mean, it'd be better if Louis Schaefer were here, but Louis Schaefer was a comic that used to work here. And then Rick Crome wrote a theme song for him, not an opening theme song and a closing theme song. How'd it go? And it would let the love flow, let the love flow. Let's all give a cheer. Basically like that. Cheer, clear the way for Louis Schaefer. Louis Schaefer's here. And then there was a closing theme song <laughs> and he bombed for 10 minutes. <laughs> and then the closing theme song came on. after they hated him for 10 minutes. The closing theme song came on da, 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 da. and Esty came down and started screaming, shut this off. <laughs> anyway, um, that's not relevant to any other things we'll be discussing yeah. today. But but Periel wanted me to. Uh, Great story. Great story. Yeah. Um, the big news this week is the big pullout. <laughs> yeah, the big pullout uh, of Afghanistan. Um, before, we no, talk about, before we talk about Afghanistan, Periel, can I ask you one question? Yeah. Can Ari come over after camp tomorrow because Mitchie's coming over? Um, what's tomorrow? Um, I think so. Okay, go ahead. Afghanistan, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, that's the big story. I mean, I don't know. You know, it's a big mess. The U.S. pulled out and the Taliban is taken over within days. And I guess a lot of the people that are were our allies over there are facing potential revenge mm. from the Taliban folk. So we're like, and, and, and I know uh, Charles Wojcik, who was actually on this show, he's a comic and a veteran of Afghanistan. He posted on Facebook, hey, Afghanistan vets, I'm here for you. Or if anybody wants to talk or whatever, something like that. So, I mean, I guess a lot of Afghanistan vets feel like they feel bad because they feel like all the work that they did over there is for nothing because the, the, the Taliban ended up taking over anyway. And then Biden said, well, that's not really why we were over there. We weren't over there to replace the Taliban. We were over there to punish them for 9-11 and to make sure that it could not be used as a base for another 9-11. Which now it can be because we're gone. So is there any validity, Noam, do you think, to, to that point of view that Biden had uh, said? I mean, I don't I don't know how much you you're 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 uh, you how much research you've done on this particular topic. I, I, I don't I mean, I don't think there's validity. No, I, I. I don't know. I mean, obviously. However, if you just want to assume, OK, we decided we're going to pull out. There is a just a. a fertile ground for just you know pointing out all the dumb decisions they made just to implement their own stated goal of pulling out obviously you don't pull out backwards you you get everybody out first you keep maximum military presence in there as you get everybody out and then the last thing you do is take out the uh the, the big guns right that, i mean that's the last thing you then you turn the lights out so if they if they're gonna leave afghanistan on its own, this was just a totally incompetent way to pull out. Uh, but I don't think they should have left. Uh, um, 
you know, it, it looks terrible. I mean, it looks, looks like America's in decline. Um, but we're going to stay there forever? Well, we're Is still, we're, we're still, uh, yeah. I mean, well, I don't know. Forever. We're no, still until in they say that it's okay. Like we're still until- in Germany. We're still in Japan. Um, we stay there as uh, as long as two things are true. As long as it's in our interest to stay there, and as long as we can satisfy our moral obligations there. So strategically, it doesn't seem like the world is sufficiently a safe place now that we don't need to have a foothold in that part of the world. Uh, to, uh, it, it, would anybody be shocked now if in the next year a, a new terrorist threat just reconstituted in Afghanistan, you know, and Pakistan and so I don't think that I don't think that uh, uh, we, we we can leave so quickly. Number one, number two, we have a moral obligation to those people. We went in there and 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 uh, and people risked their lives, and and now they're going to get slaughtered um, because they were associated with us. That's just not acceptable, right? Um, forever is a long time. I don't know. We don't have to be there forever. You know, there's, there's a whole generation now of Afghani uh, people in, in their early 20s who never knew the Taliban. So maybe after 40 years, uh, this kind of fever would break. And it's, you know, after and when when majority of people in the country had lived in freedom, maybe the Taliban wouldn't be able to come back so easily. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. But we, we weren't taking heavy casualties. We hadn't, we hadn't lost anybody in a year and a half. So I don't see the urgency. Where, where, where is the, well, like while while the the U.S. is there, where where is the Taliban? Are they like um at bay, like in the mountains? Like where are they? I, I don't know. Uh, and yeah, then, like, well, actually, you, actually, I heard something else on, on the news today. Apparently, because the weather there is so horrible, the fighting only goes on six months of the year. Mm-hmm. In, in the fall and winter, nobody fights because it's, the, the climate is too uh, oppressive. So among all the mistakes they made, some someone made the point, well, you know, they knew better than to pull out now during the, the warm months. They should have waited until the cold months because in the cold months, the Taliban wouldn't have been able to move so quickly. So it's like from every angle. Yeah. I mean, you, you have you seen this women getting women get raped and beaten and taken as sex slaves? And how could we do this? How, how could the United States of America do such a thing? I, I don't understand it. Um, it's the chiefs of security. Who who's in charge of of uh, of international warfare? Like who's in the head of what is the guy called chief? Uh, like in the White House, not the president is in charge of. Joint chiefs of staff, not chief of staff. President, defense secretary, national security. No, department. who who's in charge of like warfare of the country? It's, it's defense like, secretary. Defense secretary. Who is the who's our defense secretary now? I, I forget his name. I it really him. falls on him. Really. No, it falls on the president. Yeah, but the defense secretary should know a lot. Uh, I mean, what, what's he doing? I don't know. I don't know what anybody's doing. It seems absolutely psychotic yeah. that we we. I mean, I've never agreed so wholeheartedly with Noam on anything political in my life. Yeah. Um. So I mean, it's an it's a, just a fucking atrocity. Yeah. Lloyd J. Austin. And so he, he should know better. He should have known that it was the wrong time of year to pull out. He should have known that, you know, you don't pull out all at once, little by little. I don't. Who is this guy? I mean, I'm not blaming him, but I mean, everybody has a job. There's, there's a lot of stories out there that, that are saying that Biden just overruled everybody. I mean, really, you, you really have the feeling that this guy is just not up to the job. Right. I mean, it, it really just it just that's really what it seems like. I mean, Trump did start this process, but you kind of feel that Trump would have just, you know, as soon as shit hit the fan, he would have dropped a a bomb or, or, or assassinated somebody, you know, Tr- Trump was kind of allergic to the idea of looking like you're leaving with your tail between your legs, you know, mm-hmm. and that, that really rubbed him the wrong way. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, I'm not trying to defend Trump, but it's, it's hard to imagine Trump being comfortable in the same way that Biden seems comfortable with the way this is going on. I mean, is there any backtracking here? Like, is there any recourse to be like, whoa, this was like a huge fuck up. Can we like take a step backwards? And um... no, it's too late. I mean, it's, it's just too late. It's just I, I've never seen a worse foreign policy decision in my lifetime. I just never seen anything like it's that. terrible. I mean, it's just devastating. It really is. 
I mean, isn't it obvious? You, you, you know, you have all these translators and um, and women. And, I mean, you have, you have a list of like, I don't know, 20,000 people. You get them out first. You know, well, and, I mean, if we're talking about it, we can't get out every woman in the country. Well, maybe no, but the, the people who I don't know, I don't know. I don't know enough about it, but, but everybody. Well, then we should stay there. But I mean, people who were on the list of people who were associated with us, associated with people who were associated with us, families. There's a big list of people that are trying to get out. They had to get every one of those people out first. Um, it just, but really, I don't think we should have left. I, I don't see how you can leave. You, you can't solve every problem in the world. I get that. But this was our problem. And we didn't have. And to then what, how, how Maybe is we should probably get Charles Wojcik on, uh, uh, you know, the the the. Uh, the guy I was talking about earlier, the uh, Afghan vet slash comedian. What I mean, how do you spend 20 years training a military, supposedly, and then leaving and then five That's minutes later? Right. Well, no. even, even that, if you read about it, apparently the reason one of the reasons that the Afghan military uh, uh, couldn't operate is because we also pulled out all logistical support. We pulled out uh, uh, the ability to, to repair things. We pulled out the, the whole military was trained um, to to work with American air support. We pulled out the air support. We just like if, if you start reading this stuff, every single story is just like a, a de- portrays a debacle of judgment. Oh, so so we trained them, but we trained them with uh, that. So when they fought, they would fight with our help, with the, yeah. the help of the U.S. And then we weren't there to help. And so they couldn't fight the Taliban. That's or it was like you learned how to ride a bicycle on a bicycle and then we took away the bicycle. Right. Well, as analogies go, that's not my favorite. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look at Nelson's face. But I mean, then he... <laughs> right, yeah. I, I don't know enough about armies and stuff. It, it doesn't it doesn't shock me that the army. Um, listen, these soldiers they they decide what the future holds and if they know that the future holds defeat they they give up very very quickly that's what that's what um the iraqi army did when when we invaded iraq you know that so at at some point they just got the feeling that america was gone and the taliban was going to win they don't want to die so they well that's not what the uh the the germans did in world war ii they really had to have it they really had to have the defeat brought home to them in a pretty obvious way so i don't know if that's a general rule but um in any but case it, but i was but funny to say about you because i was thinking like in this whole nation building thing i mean if we had if let's say let's say the rebuilding of germany had gone really badly would we then say that oh we should have never done this to begin with we shouldn't have tried i mean you know people that we, we had no business trying to do this i mean we successfully put democracy in Germany and Japan and South Korea and not so successfully in Afghanistan. Um, maybe the cultural differences, but um, we have, you know, we're trying, we're trying. Um, we're not doing bad work. We're not doing evil work. It's funny that the left, you know, always talking about the evil of America, but this, this was the evil here was leaving. Anyhow, we, uh, we have with us, uh, a guest that uh, we, uh, Sheba Mason is here. We, uh, let me, let me backtrack a second. Where is she? She's uh, off camera, but uh, we, a couple in July, I guess it was two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we lost a great legend of comedy, Jackie Mason, um, at the age of, I guess, 93. I, I mean, you never really knew how old he was. Wikipedia, I think, said he was 89. I always suspect that he was older. And then when you, somebody dies, you find out how old they are. So I think he was ultimately 93. Anyway, uh, Sheba Mason, let me give you an introduction that's a little bit better than that stuttering <laughs> intro that I had given you. We like to give uh, introductions on this show that are worthy of our guest. Uh, she's just released an album called Not Just a Whore. And she's been on stage since age two as a stage prop in her mother's play and been doing stand-up since the age of 19. I'm not sure how old she is now, but... Um, but 35. Since 35, <laughs> 35 so, she, so 16 years if my arithmetic is correct. So Sheba Mason, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. And Sheba is, uh, she's been on the show before, but for those who may not recall, your relationship with your father, with Jackie Mason, was not exactly a normal father-daughter relationship. So if you wouldn't mind just uh, 
Talk well, a bit about that. A lot of people asked me, you know, it was sad that he died. I mean, it's always sad to lose a parent, no matter what your relationship is. It, there's a certain lack of closure to it. Um, he was 93. So is it ever really sad when somebody 93 dies? Maybe not. It's not a tragedy, of course, but it was still, um, you know, it was a very emotional uh, moment for me. And um, the funny thing is, is like my mother is married, right? She's married to a cantor in a synagogue. She's a really great marriage for 20 years. And uh, the night he died, it was Saturday night. I was opening for Joe Mackey somewhere in Connecticut. And my mother, um, her husband took her out to like this really nice dinner. He was off from he was off from work and he was on vacation and they drove like two hours to this fancy piano bar and he's spending all this money on her. And like, it's nice and it's getting romantic, which, you know, is not that often after a 20 year marriage. And like, you know, they're very romantic. And then she gets she finds out from somebody who texted her that like he died and she starts crying about Jackie Mason again. <laughs> and my stepfather was so pissed, <laughs> like not really understood. But, you know, he was like kind of pissed. <laughs> he's, you know, he's spending like all this money. Um, but people did ask me about my relationship with him, like and, and my relationship with the afterlife. And in regards to him, and I say, well, I believe in the afterlife, you know, I mean, he's been ghosting me for years. <laughs> but before he died, our relationship was getting a little better. We're getting a lot closer. Um, this is something I say, you know, on stage, but um, I saw him on the street and he actually recognized me. And I know he recognized me because the minute he saw me, he ran the other way. <laughs> <laughs> Sheba, so so you have to tell the, the listeners that they probably don't understand. This. So, what 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 were the circumstances of your birth and the fact that you don't have a relationship? You didn't have a relationship with your dad, just to bring people up to speed because they're not going to understand. Um, well, he was with my mother for ten years, and um, then he wasn't, <laughs> and uh, and uh, he's a very. Um, uh, I don't want to say that we're controlling, but he is like a very um, intense manager named Jill, who was always his manager. And she was always like in the background. She knew him before my mother. And like when I was born, she really didn't like that. <laughs> so um, what year in, in the 10 year relationship were you born? Of course, the final year, the final. Yeah, year. <laughs> of course. And then it was, over. you know, like God, you know, they say that God makes babies look like their father so that the father sticks around. <laughs> I'm like, God, maybe come up with a new plan. <laughs> I still look like my father. So, okay. Um, and he did not, he denied being your father, correct? For a little while, but then um, he was, um, uh, he had to prove paternity and he paid child support until I was 18. And, um, you know, that's, that's how it went. I mean, he did pay a child support and there's all sorts of things, you know, I mean, it's my name is Shiva Mason and on my birth certificate and everything else, whether anybody likes it or not. Was he wealthy? Did he die wealthy? Well, we're trying to find that out. <laughs> That's what we're doing now. So you didn't you didn't have a relationship with him growing up other than that he's obviously supported you like you didn't see him or he just didn't want to have anything. To be honest, and I've never really said this on a podcast before. I've always tried to make it funny, but uh, no, <laughs> nothing, nothing at all. I mean, like people say, oh, we didn't send you a birthday card. No, no, there was nothing. What was the longest conversation you ever had with it was about, um, well, when I was 18, no, I was, I was uh, 20 years old and I was bartending in the Broadway theaters. You know, it's like a nice job for a kid because you bartend and you don't really make a lot. It's like a side job. You don't make a lot of money, but you get to see all the shows for free. So I was bartending for Spamalot at the time and David Hyde Pierce was in Spamalot and I, I love that show. But anyway, so I was walking out and he was coming out of the Helen Hayes Theater where he was. Uh, had, where he had his Broadway show and he was about to get into the car and he like um, he said, I said, hello. And he goes, oh, who are you? And he looked at me like he wanted to hit on me because, you know, right. why not? God. <laughs> it's flattering, though. At least I made the cut. But anyway, so, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, so he he just was like, you know, basically to, to make a long story short, he just said, I want you to come to my show tomorrow. Um, you'll come at seven. My show, you know, of course it's at eight. And he's like, we'll sit, we'll talk he, it over. He knew who you were after I made myself known. And then he invited you to the show. Yeah. Okay. And he was really, really friendly. And he oh. said, come to my show and we'll talk it over and we'll oh. sit before my show. And I was so excited. And then he said, if they don't let you in for some reason, um, come to my house. Right. So I start to take out a pen hmm. Uh, to write down his address. And he goes, don't write it down. Jill's parents are standing right there. Wow. So like that's that control. I just saw the Aretha Franklin movie and even like Elton John, 
not that he's as famous as they were, but like, I just, it seems to be that when you get to a certain level, you might happen to stumble on people that seem to control you for whatever reason. I don't know how that works, but um, it definitely was a thing. And um, so, okay, so I take out a pen and so, the, so I'm like, you know, reeking with anticipation the next day, you know, and I'm 20, I'm really naive. And my mother said, don't get too excited. Like, you know, and then, so I go to the theater and there was a letter waiting for me from his lawyer, which I still have saying like, you can't come in for whatever, re like bullshit reason. Are you allowed to say? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's and, real. So it was like, <laughs> and like, uh, so I couldn't uh, go in. And um, then when I went to his house, they told me he moved. <laughs> so, oh you know, you know, so and then after a while, when I would see him on the street, I live on 56th Street and he lived on 57th Street. And he would always hang out at the Applejack Diner and I would see him and like, you know, just have to sort of one time I, I had one of my jokes published in the New York Post, which said, um, I wish a better looking comedian was my father, like Woody Allen or Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> and it's just a joke, you know. So he said, this is who you compare me to a fat yenta like Rosie O'Donnell and a schmuck <laughs> like Woody Allen. And I said, well, help me write a better joke if you want to. But he just like was like basically fuck off. I, it wasn't big. He just said, fuck off. And so um, after that, when I would see him on the street, it's like I'm not it's like like how many times can you try to be friendly with someone who doesn't want to be friendly with you? But even so, I still always said, like, you know, when I pass him by the Applejack Diner, the only thing worse than not being able to talk to him is really not being is not even seeing him there at all. Like it was still some sort of like I would be on my way home and I would see him and it was still like nice to know he was alive and well and doing his thing. You know, you still feel um, it's a strange thing the way biology works, you know, that you know, you but I think a lot of people would have just said, fuck them. I know, you know, and, and a lot of people say that on your behalf. Right. I, you know, I know a lot of people say, why does she even care about this guy and that he didn't treat her right? And I don't know if I was raised right or if I was raised wrong. You know, I was never raised with like a fuck him attitude. I was always raised with like he will probably be back attitude. And even if he's not be happy that he's your father, wear it like a cologne that he's just a, a good attitude. It's a healthy attitude. Sheba. Is that I like your attitude? Yeah. Like not not good. to harbor like resentment. No, you don't want to carry that around. But if he yeah. if he was not Jack, if he was your father and the circumstances were the exact same, except instead of a famous comedian, he were a lesser known comedian or just some guy, just a school teacher or somebody that's not famous. How do you think if at all that would change your feelings toward him? Do you think any of it is to do with? No, I really don't think. Um, well, the fact that he's so brilliant. So if he was brilliant anyway, um, even if he was, you know, what, you know, know, not to admonish other. I don't want to like name occupations and admonish them, but like, you know, like, let's just say he was just had another occupation, whatever, you a know, lawyer. A, a lawyer or, or a or, scientist or a doctor. Right. Something that right. That's just not famous. Yeah, right. Yeah. So like if he's still brilliant and you can see that he's his brilliance, you're sort of happy that you um, you know, inherited that gene pool. Yeah. Right. And um, so I was always kind of grateful for that because I would watch his videos and I'm like, oh, my God, he is the greatest comedian that ever lived. But if I watched him being a doctor or wrote some poetry he wrote or whatever as a doctor or as a scientist or even discovered something, or you know, it's just it's kind of an honor. I'm like, really like, wow, like that's what I come from. Um, and I still wouldn't harbor any resentment. I just but I really think it really does come from the way I was raised from the get go. You know, my mother and grandmother were very adamant about no resentment. My mother never talked shit about him. You know, if anything, she was maybe just sad. <laughs> she was really madly in love with him. And, um, you know, there was nothing phony about it. There was nothing fake about it. It was just sincere. And, um, you know, it's a, it's it's sad. It's 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 sad, but it's also like not that sad. Like people have it a lot worse. You know, I have a really nice mom and, you know, I'm not uh, getting any younger, but uh, who, who is. But, um, you know, like, you know, there's worse things. People are, are orphans, you know. Um, so, you know, but he, you know, it's I was very sad when he died. It was very sad to hear that he died. And one thing I remember reading about him, actually, and then he even told my mother and then I read it later, is that every single joke he has, he always had a message behind the joke. It was never just like, I'm going to tell a stupid joke. It was like every single thing really is a message. And it's true. Mm -hmm. And he said he will never tell a joke that he doesn't really believe in the message behind. Did he um, was he in touch with your mom? Like, did he ever speak or communicate? He with had her? his brother break up with her. 
Oh, Jesus Christ. Can you does imagine? His brother, does brother talk? You have a brand new baby. Does a brother talk like him? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This, is, this is Sam. I think he took that accent and like capitalized on like the Yiddishism. How, how much of it that is real? Because, <laughs> um, you know, a lot of people exaggerate their accents and just their personas on stage. Like Gilbert Godfrey doesn't. When you talk to Gilbert Godfrey off stage, he doesn't go, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> he, he just he, he's it's, it's, it's it, that's in there, but it's far less. So when you talk with Gilbert off stage, he's like, oh, I don't know. And that's what my mother said. It's, it's like the same. It's like. You know, we're all exaggerated versions of ourselves sure, on stage. Yeah. I don't know. You seem to have a really incredible like um, attitude or sense about you with it. I Thanks. really admire that. <laughs> Thank you. I cannot take you seriously. I cannot take her. I can't take Periel seriously in that mask. Oh, shit. <laughs> ridiculous. You um, know what? You're so full of shit because if I didn't have this mask on, I know for a material fact that I would also never hear the end of it. Well, why is that? Because, because he would tell me that I, um, I I'm a hypocrite and you look ridiculous. <laughs> well, also that it's like a that K95 makes you, it's kind of like a duck. It's like I mean it's vertical, but it's like a duck bill. But it's it's hey, vertical. Sheba, did you feel like did you did you want to pay a shiva call to his sister or? Oh, so well, I am wanted... really good friends with um the, that side of the family. I have a really cool cousin who's like my first cousin once removed who embraced me. I'm not physically, but like, you know, <laughs> you have to really say that now <laughs> when I was um, when I was like, like in my uh, like late teenagehood and he invited me and I ended up performing at his synagogue in Nebraska wow. and um, and I met his children. And then like when my father died, he called me, he said, you, he said, I'm going to talk to you like a rabbi and then I'm going to talk to you like a lawyer because he now he's a lawyer. He used to be a rabbi. <laughs> and he said, the first thing you have to do is you must do a Kaddish for him, you know? Are you Jewish? Yes. Okay. So you know what a Kaddish is. So you know what a Kaddish is. Yes, I guess yeah. with the mask on. <laughs> I guess with the mask on, you can't tell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they should have invented that in World War II. But for the <laughs> listeners who may not know, that's that's a prayer for uh, the, dead. the dead. The dead. Yeah. So you. Uh, I have some it's questions. Like mass. Yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. So you yeah. want to let Sheba finish what she was saying, and then oh, we'll go ahead. Get... Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, uh, <laughs> so you have to say it cottage. No, so I said it. So I went and met with some other cousins and we said a private cottage. I wasn't invited to the funeral. We just said a private cottage. And that's you all. didn't pay any Shiva calls to like his. I think his sister was sitting Shiva. Yeah, but that one sister yeah. has always been sort of not that friendly to me. Got it. And she's and then, very old. And it's like, am I going to schlep out to yeah. Queens? She wasn't like, really you, far no. deep in Queens. And you then know? the lawyer said to maybe not be welcome. Yeah. So that was the rabbi. Then the lawyer said. The lawyer said, I know the attorney that Dave, that Danny Cohen recommended to you, user. Oh, okay. <laughs> you mean to try to get to try to get money, not to try to get money, but to inquire. I mean, I don't know. Uh, to see. Well, I mean, I, I am. I, have a, a I, I have a legal background, albeit I never practiced. Um, well, you can't get in on it now, Dan. <laughs> yeah, but but <laughs> is he legally bound to give you anything? No, he's not. And we found that out. Okay. Um, and I knew that. And like, that's fine. And I'm not expecting it. I don't really care about anything. I would have liked him. I do think, by poor. the way, legally speaking, if you die and you're still married, I don't think you can cut off your wife. No, you I believe know. legally you cannot not. You have to give something to your wife when you die, even but, if you hate her. But but yeah, but if you're still married, if you hate right. her, you should have divorced. What her. if you have a will? Yeah, you can but write anything you, you want in the no, will. But no, but a will will is a will is subject to certain limitations. Um, wife for example, my pardon. Your wife gets half. Your wife gets whatever she gets, <laughs> no matter what's no in, matter the, what. in the will. And but no one has done his research. And, and yeah, <laughs> no one seems to be really up to He's really schooled on that. <laughs> if, if you don't like your wife, you can divorce her and then you don't have to give and her. She anything. still gets half. <laughs> I, have some, half. I have some questions for. But she. also your kid, okay. if, she, if your kid is under 18, maybe they have to give you something. OK, no, it doesn't matter. No, I'm, I think that's interesting. No, I'm, but it is interesting. But if he, if he dies without a will, he had presumably he, he died had in will. test date. He died in test date. Then you would get. Um, yeah, then you would get some share. Yeah, if you um, died in test date, you would. Or, or no, I think if you died. I'm not even that concerned about it. Yeah, why, why, why are we? <laughs> okay, here's my question. Because we're Jews, and that's what we think about. What was there? What was there in your father's background, in terms of the way he grew up, that would uh, maybe have? Um, cause him to be such a horrible father 
to you? Did he have a distant relationship with his parents? Was he not shown love as a child? That's a good question. So here's the way I see it. He had a wonderful relationship with his father. Okay. And by the way, I found out that my great grandfather was a big deal in Russia. He led people. He died alone. He was like a big protester for all. His name is Rabbi Meza. Like, like, you know, his real name is Maza, M-A-Z-A. Like, like I come from a lineage of like real leaders and like, you know, people who, you know, really live life and fight for what they believe in and they're, they're rebels and they're leaders anyway. So, um, uh, my father really did love his father and they were really close, tight knit Orthodox community. And what happened was when he became a comedian, it was like devastating to his father because they want you to stay a rabbi, you know, just like they want you to stay straight or whatever, you know, and you can't be you. And um, they'll go to no length, you know, every length to stop you from what you're doing. So he had to sever this tie, right? Wow. Like, boom, cut him off do what he wants to do in life. Was he wrong? No, but it was a very different time. You know, it's not now. And like, you know, and like, so he severed this tie. Boom. I'm going to be comedian. Like, fuck you. I'm going to do what I want to do. And I think in so doing, he lost like a piece of his soul and just uh, was able to then learn how to like, maybe not even really love. Well, we all, anybody who's a Simpsons fan knows that story because that, yeah. you know, they, they integrated that into an episode of The Simpsons where Krusty the Clown, where Krusty the clown wanted to be a clown right. and Jackie Mason played his father. Right. Oh, yeah. wow. Said, yeah. I didn't know that. And then there was, yeah. I have. So he comes. So Krusty comes to the door and, and Jackie Mason's character says, I have no son. And then and then Krusty says, yeah, you do. I was born. And he says, I didn't mean that literally. <laughs> I think the ability to do that and not that he was wrong in doing that because he had to you know, pursue what he wanted to pursue. But I think like you know, in order to do that, you definitely have to lose yeah. like some sort of yeah. something in there, right? A piece. You wonder. Or it could just be that he associated you with your mother and he had, you know, his, his beef was with your mother. And he uh, really loved my mother, but the only reason he stopped loving her was because she sued him for paternity. And to this day, she almost doesn't know if she regrets it, but he was never going to give her any money or acknowledge the fact that I was his baby. You know, she she was nine months pregnant. And he would introduce her as her secretary, as his secretary, like they're traveling in California. He wanted her at all her shows. They traveled to California together. Was she his secretary? No, no, never. No. Noam, do you have a follow up question? No. All right. I'm I mean, a question. My wife is here. What's that? My, my wife is here. Come here, sweetheart. Why Hi, Juanita. She just wants Hi. to come here and like distract me. Okay. What? I missed you all day. What do you mean? Aww. Um, I, I, was, I was coming down the stairs. I heard what you were saying. That's terrible. You can't. She. They can't see you. Okay. <laughs> they don't need to see me. Hi. Hi. Uh, hi, Juanita. <laughs> oh, so yeah. So so he. So that's what it was. So you. So you think that you. You think that's what led to the fact that he was a that he um that he couldn't he couldn't show love to you because he had cut himself off from his father. I think maybe. Yeah. What do you think? I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's weird, you know, because I mean, like how, you know, that seems like a very unusual scenario. There's a lot of celebrities that have babies with women that they're with or they weren't they're not with or they used to be with. You know, we know. I mean, you know, I know people that have kids from one night stands and very seldom is it this level of, re of rejection that I, know. That I, <laughs> I know how to balance the two, probably. Well, it sounds like he, he was tortured by it, really. Have you ever seen that level? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, I don't. I, uh, yes, of course. I mean, yes, there are plenty yeah, of yeah. people who yeah, completely true. have zero relationship with their children. Of course you have. I mean, I, yeah, it's not. Um, I was not, spent not, so much time trying to understand it. Yeah, know? I'm sure. Like, why? Absolutely zero. But so, you know. I had a relationship with him myself by watching him. Yeah. You know, but this is this goes beyond <laughs> this goes beyond the normal. You should write a screenplay. This goes beyond the normal zero relationship of like a deadbeat dad who just disappears or whatever. This is a man of means. His money's not an issue. Um, you, you know, he, he comes from a, a, a good upbringing. He's, you know, it seems I know it's going to sound chauvinist, but it seems like very un-Jewish kind of. Yeah. And and he and he was ag almost aggressively yeah. 
shunning you of that, or you know. Yeah. Although it sounds like he tried to reach out a few times and got like shut down by whatever like weird situation he had going His on. His people were very much influencing him. Yeah. I, mean, I kind of see that even in the Aretha Franklin movie that I just saw. Uh, I, like, I told you this the last time. I mean, I mean, it, it's it's very uh, um, beautiful in a way that that you maintain such a gentle um, outlook on all this. But I I think what he did was terrible. I, I you know I, I I know you're a really nice father. I mean, <laughs> even if I wasn't a father, I mean, it's just it's just a it's just a terrible thing to do, and there's no excuse for it. And people blaming people who are you know, your manager or people who control you people who have to be responsible for their own things i would just i just hope that um you would not think that it was a reflection on you in some way because i'm sure many of well if he knew me then he would definitely run away <laughs> so, like, <laughs> it, it's him it's 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 something broken in him yeah for yeah. sure i mean and also in a certain way um you know i feel like in in a certain way you have this incredible ability to get whatever you got or an, or get out of being able to watch him. And he really missed out on the joy of being able to thanks, thanks. be, you know, have you. So but look, you know, I meet so many people tell me I hung out with your father for years. He was so much fun. He's amazing. He did this and that for people. He donated money here. He's yeah. People said that about Ted Bundy too. <laughs> But it's like, you know, like, so he touched a lot of lives. It's not that he didn't touch lives, you know? So, um, I mean, I don't know. Like, can you, you know, like, can you, he was, he was a belligerent guy though. Right. He would have yeah. blow ups. Did you know him at all? No, I know. I didn't know him at all. But Did he I, ever perform? I, I saw him here once at the Olive Tree Cafe, probably a year or two it was before the pandemic. Oh so. yeah. I saw all the pictures. Uh, he around. came here with somebody. I don't know who it was. It wasn't Jill. It was yeah. some guy and he was just looking around. He looked like he seemed a bit out of it. He, he seemed like he wasn't the best, you know, shape. Yeah. And he just kind of looked around and then they left. Um, and what did you write on my Facebook? It was really profound. It was it? You said they will not know or something. It was like from hat. Was it from Hamlet? Oh, I, I, it was, yeah, it was from Hamlet. I said, uh, really, really, I good. said, uh, well, I didn't know it was Shakespeare. I said, I just wrote, I just <laughs> yeah, wrote, uh, he was a man taken for all in all. I will not look upon his like again or something like that. That's from, it was really good. That's from Hamlet. Yeah. Well, you know, Shakespeare was good. That's why we're still talking about it 500, <laughs> yeah. 500 years after he died. But, um, he, he would get in, he would get into these fights, these, these public fights. Uh, he was called a racist and he, he would dig in on using the word Schwarza. And, yeah. Uh, but in a, but in a, by the way, my father, my father uh, uh, was a big fan of your father's. Um, but anyway, he, he would just, it would just as he got older too, he would just see these kind of like public outbursts of anger. Right. Yeah. He got really political and really angry, and like angry, he started right. getting more and more angry. And I actually heard that like he started living in separate apartments from Jill, who's his wife supposedly, but we don't even know if it is. Oh, that's yeah. a plot twist. Yeah. I don't know, Sheba, maybe you got like the best gift of all, which is that you what? didn't have to. I mean, you have it sounds like you have this beautiful, wonderful mother and grandmother and you, well, my grandma's dead, but she was great for while well, she was. Alive. Yeah, but and now you, you you've had like financially hasn't been easy for you, right? You you know, well, you like it's like, been rough for me in general. To tell you the truth, I got stuck in um running these really stupid shows at Broadway Comedy Club with the wrong guy. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on this podcast, but I was like stuck trying to pay my rent. And I didn't realize like the stigma that it would attach myself to forever doing comedy. And like, you know, I wasted a lot of time doing that and I stopped doing that. And it just, it's, it's just been, I had so many blessings that I squandered and like it's it's uh, <laughs> it's been rough <laughs> well but do you ever did you ever say like you're tending bar you're doing these shows like fuck if only you know my father could give me a little bit of money or help me out a little bit or... you know i never even allowed myself to have that thought because mm -hmm. i knew it was like so impossible that he would ever do anything so it's like i didn't even like have that thought you know i just kept trying to like be a fighter you know because i just i've known you throughout the years you're always hustling you're producing shows right now you're producing a show maybe you could talk briefly about that you're, you're producing your own show. Well, I found it in the middle of the pandemic, yeah. you know, and the reason I was able to do this place was because it was a covered courtyard, you know, and it's it's a really nice spot. It's, it's of course, it's not the cellar, but it's a really you know, it's very nice. And um, it was the middle of the pandemic where no one had anything to do and stuff. 
And then um, it, it happened, you know, I found it in, in July and, and it started out once a week and then it became every night. Wow. And that's like, great. they're very nice there. And like, they, they, you know, they see what I'm doing and stuff like that. And I was able to meet a bunch of different people that I wasn't, I had no access to being tucked away where I was. That's and I didn't great. even realize, and I know, know him that you had him on your podcast. Is that a child or in your hands? That's my child. It's a dog beacon. Oh, dog. I, mean, okay. I had who in my podcast? Al. Oh, yeah. Al. Are you, are you a bad relationship with Al? Well, we're not enemies or anything, but he was really upset when I started that room. She had worked for Al and then she started for another, years. She started another room and, and located not far away. I guess that was the main issue. And, and Al and I were really good friends. I'm talking like Passover satyrs. My stepfather did the service at his mother, at his wife's mother's, you know, funeral, like because he's a cancer, you know, and like, I mean, like I'm I got him front row seats to Don Rickles and backstage passes like we were like good friends. He always said he was like my father. And so it's like now I was like another father only because I started a room that seats 20 people. Like, what's the big deal? But what what was I supposed to do? You know, um, you know, so, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you life is, I guess, about choices a lot <laughs> and you when you make the wrong ones. Um, Sometimes you make the right ones. Yeah. But you're producing this room and that's. <laughs> <laughs> I love Dan. I've known Danny for years. Yeah. You're producing this room. It's um, which I've done. It's a nice little room. And thank yeah, you. The audiences are good. Thanks. Um, and it's called at that the three monkey bar. What's it called? The yeah. Three monkeys. Three yeah. monkeys. Then thank it's in you. a courtyard. Thank uh, you. Sheba, have you read Dan Natterman's new novel, Iris Spiro before COVID? What is it? My new novel he's talking about, Iris Spiro before COVID. I what? Iris Spiro before COVID. Oh, really? <laughs> Everybody gets the name. It's Iris not the easiest Spiro. name. Right. Somebody. I thought you said I was sterile before. I know. I couldn't hear you. I, I was yeah. sterile. I just finished it today. You just finished it. Okay. Is it a real novel? Yeah. yeah. Really? Novel. He just got stuffed. We were um, sitting outside and somebody said, um, I loved your book. Well, she didn't say I loved you. She said, I'm really enjoying your book. Okay, whatever. That's I just want to be accurate. That's great. And I, I was going to stop her and do some market research. Like, how did you find out about it? And, um, you know, what, what parts did you enjoy the most? You know, like like one of those surveys you get after, like, <laughs> buying a car. But, oh, I, th I found another little mistake for you to correct. Oh, did you? Was it, is it as big as the, is it as, like, is it a typo? No, you, you said uh, he was on Western Avenue and he turned right to go west but you meant east oh this was this was during the car <laughs> that when they were when they were pursuing the other car yeah, yeah. all right i'll look into that but anyway you finished the novel yeah. you were saying that you had really enjoyed it up the last time i spoke to you, you said you really enjoyed it but you hadn't finished it yet so i said well it might go all downhill from there did it go oh, down i want to read your I novel have, i have not i really enjoyed this book from beginning to end I this was a I would wholeheartedly recommend this book. This is a good book. Wow! I cannot believe Dan wrote it. Did, you, did Ray <laughs> Allen help you? I, had it. I actually found it up my on my dead roommate's hard drive. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like a real book. He's got real analogies and similes and metaphors. But, and, uh, but that's I not mean, really the bar. Is the bar that low? Like, that's what's good about it. Well, to me, to me, a book is more about the story and the metaphors. And it really isn't that overwhelmingly literary. There's not there's not that, you know, there, there are books that are a lot more literary with a lot more metaphor and a lot more figurative but, language. Is it on Amazon? Yeah, it's on Amazon, but I'll give you a copy if you want. Oh, thank, I'll buy a copy. Um, I, I'm, just, I'm just really, really, really impressed. Dan wrote a book and it's a, and it's a, good, <laughs> and it's a good book. I, I, know another, I, know, I, know, I know some other people who have written books. Well, I'm not talking about Periel now. I haven't read Periel's book. Which is unbelievable. Do you know what he said when I said, no, you know, you're so enthusiastic about reading Dan's book. How, how come, you know, you haven't read my books? And he goes, well, to tell you the truth, I'm just a lot more interested in reading Dan's book. <laughs> well, it's a novel. And I think Noam was impressed by that aspect of it. Yours was a memoir, Noam. Uh, oh, I'll tell you what, I started to read Periel's book, but there's a naked picture on the cover and my kids found it. And, and, and Periel's like, <laughs> it's not appropriate for your kids. You know, Dan wrote a story 
uh, and, and you're writing about blowjobs. It's, it's like, you know, it's- right. first of all, I wrote two fucking critically acclaimed memoirs. You can bullshit and make whatever excuse you want about the cover and nonsense and say, don't say a word until you read them cover I to, to cover. I need to read your book in a brown paper bag somewhere. I can't, I can't read it around the house. Oh God. On my knees. I can't read that around the house. <laughs> Um, That's well, also a metaphor, by the way. I know what on my knees means. And you, uh, but Dan wrote a book. <laughs> <laughs> you, do you have a do you read it on Kindle? Do you happen to have a hard copy? I have a hard copy. I, I gave it away, though. You uh, gave it. I gave it to Don Fabricant. OK, OK. I just was it be interested if one I know. Look, not everybody's into reading. And if Juanita's opinion would be a value to me because uh, she doesn't really work with me, and I, I think her opinion would be a little more unbiased. Well, I'll, I'll buy, I'll buy it again. I, I would love to read it. I'll read it. And I would just ask, and you've done already done a lot for me, but if you want to ask Liz to promote it on the Instagram feed, of course, you're welcome to do that. Oh uh, yeah, you, you, I forgot, I forgot about that. Uh, I, okay, I'll, I'll do that. You, Unless you, you don't want to, for whatever reason. You have to give her the, we already sent out an email to 150,000 people by this damn book. Um, <laughs> Uh, you could give me the, the graphic. We'll, we'll Instagram it. But he'll I, Instagram I don't, it. He'll Facebook it. He'll put it on the website. I don't think we have that much Instagram following, to tell you the truth. You do so. What are you talking about? You have 102,000 people. Now, I don't know how much they're engaged with it. We do? Listen. Yes, you do. All right, so I think that... Um, um, I, want, I want to just promote this for a second. Oh, no, my new side hustle. Listen, my, not, not everybody's uh, watching this on Perial. You, you are, I'm very just kidding. I'm just you kidding. No I'm, sense. Uh, are, this is not. This is an audio podcast, and you're showing. Your <laughs> damn. All right, this it's, Shima, Are you going to write a book? You should write a memoir. You should write it. You should absolutely write. Isn't it like so conceited. Like who cares? No. no. I wrote too. I so. Like it like, almost um, like a love letter to your dad, or like Jack, call it Jack, like, Jackie Dearest. Right. <laughs> Almost like uh, what you could have had your angle if it's come and it, it will come from a loving way, you know, yeah. from a loving place Jackie could be really Dears fantastic. So That's a great Thank idea. You. Yeah, we'll see you when I. Um, yeah. Cash in. That's what I'm trying to say. Cash. in. <laughs> <laughs> it's Thank you so much. much for having me here to honor him. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. I no, really is he, OK. Is he and you can be objective because of your relationship with him. Where would you put him on your top list of top five or ten comedians? Or Honestly, like, I think he's my I mean, he's my favorite comedian. After that is a tell David tell. No, what, what is what is your what, where do you put Jackie on the list? I, I don't know. I haven't seen enough. I know that when Jackie Mason was funny, like like the, the, his like in the yeah. 90s. No, I, I, I well, I, I, I didn't mean it in, in, by dates, but yeah, but like just the, the, the various times I've heard bits of his, which were just super funny. I think those stood up with the very greatest of all time. Who do you else do you think is great? I, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, the, the, the usual suspects. Like the older guys. Carlin and Pryor and all those guys. Carlin was great, but I think Carlin was so great, but he never like made me really like really laugh he was like very analytical but i feel like i laughed more at jackie mason like his syntax yeah. well i didn't like carlin like for the last 30 years almost like when i was a kid the album class clown and you know, yeah so we we all listened to that in high school and middle school and it was hysterical then he, then he began to take himself very seriously and kind of become preachy and i never cared for for that george carlin but uh and richard Pryor. but a lot of these guys um had one or two classic presentations and then they never the rest of it was just not quite as good like right richard Pryor had that one movie in the red suit with the monkey and leon yeah. Spinks and all that and none of the other movies were that it's hard to keep going 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 you know but jackie's best stuff i guess was his one man show in, in on Broadway. I mean, he had eight one man shows on Broadway. Well, the one that I saw was uh, the world, the world according to me. And that was great. And I, I not that. And I saw some videos he did on YouTube. One video about Starbucks, which was very funny, where he's yeah. ranting about Starbucks, which I enjoyed. I don't know if yeah. that's part of any of his stand up uh, one person shows. But yeah, I would put Jackie pretty high on my list. I don't know if I would put him at necessarily at number one. Who's he, number one, do you think? 
Um, I mean, the way he does this and he does that, like he could read the ingredients on a Coke bottle. It could be funny. Like, yeah, you know, he might be so funny. He in terms of making me laugh, he might be at 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 the top. I think David Tell is more brilliant. I love in terms of his mind, in terms of his thoughts, in terms of, you know, well, he's more now, too. He's certainly more modern. Yeah. Um. She, you but did you, did you become I think a- Chappelle is, 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 is probably more insightful, but then again, Jackie's fucking good. I mean, he was yeah, Jackie's very insightful, actually. It comes yeah, from a different political point of view, but just as insightful, if, if not more so in a way, um, uh, not more, I would, I take that back. Now it's not more so, but just as insightful, just coming at it from a different angle. Um, he was conservative, uh, but she, did you, did you become a comedian? Uh, coincidentally or you did it because your father was a comedian? It was actually quite coincidental because um, I've always been, you know, my mother's a playwright, you know, and uh, she was very into show business and I always grew up in theater and I sang my whole life. I, you know, I took singing lessons and uh, was in a lot of plays as a kid and like regional theater. Like I would leave school to do plays. I have a really good singing voice. Not that good, but I'm not a Grammy award winner, but I had a really good I don't, I don't even know. But anyway, so I did have a really good singing voice. And, um, you know, I was I would do a lot of musicals. And when I moved to New York when I was 18, I just moved here to like audition for plays. And I realized they're not going to pick a short Jewish girl who can't dance that well, you know, with all the dance lessons I've had. And, you know, I'm Jackie Mason's daughter can't dance that well. So then I got a job at the New York Comedy Club and started taking a class and I became a comedian. Like, you know, it's, it's nice to be on stage without um, having to rely on other people that much, you know, or like rely on someone to pick you, you know. Well, all right. Um, <laughs> so no. that was fun. I mean, it was it's been a fun time being a comedian, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. My, my wife wants to hear you sing something. Sing your favorite tune. I can't right now. Thank you. I can't. I can't right now. My voice is very hoarse right now. So are you seeing a Bonnie Tyler song? I'm not, I'm just not, I'm just, <laughs> I just don't know if I'm satisfied with the answer. You, you huh. think that you would have become a comedian if your father hadn't been a comedian or, or do you think you inherited the, the it's hard to believe it's sheer coincidence. No, it's not sheer coincidence. Um, when I was six years old, I started well, doing no a show to get, to, to, to get him to a, approval from him in some way. No, no, I don't. I shut that out, like really blocked that out. Um, but I when I was six, it. my mother was friends with this guy named Frankie Mann, who had like a big show in the, in the South Florida condo circuit. Do you guys know what the South Florida condo circuit is? Yeah. It's like the 55 and over communities. They're not, they're not, um, you know, sick or anything. They're just 55 and over, like you see in Seinfeld. And like, uh, you know, they have giant theaters and he would perform in all these theaters, Frankie Mann. And he would bring me up as a little girl. I was six and we would do patter back and forth and I would get laughs. And I remember learning how to like pause for a laugh. My mother used to tell me like you have to pause because I would like talk over the laughs, like pause for the laugh. And like, you know, these are jokes, you know, like she would explain like we wrote these jokes and like it was really fun doing that, you know. And uh, I really enjoyed like the uproar of applause and like I would sing and have some patter. He would bring me out for 10 minutes and pay me $20. And it was like a lot of fun, you know, and I enjoyed it from then. So then when I finally got to New York, I was like this. I, I you know, I really like doing comedy and I really always loved. I was obsessed with comedians and stuff, you know, and, um, you know, I really did enjoy that. Do you ever feel like doing your father's act on stage? I don't know if it would how much it would hold up now. Like like you do shows for people who are like 23, 24. I don't know if he would translate to the I just I wonder he's never come to this. That's a good question. He had never come to the cellar, but I wonder like if he had come here on at 10 p.m. on a Saturday night. I I do wonder, you know, I think it would be great if Sheba took a lot of his jokes, made them her own. And and she can do that. Yeah, she's she's allowed to take her father's jokes. All of his jokes. I don't think and make them your up. own. They wouldn't hold up now. I don't know. You can make you can make well, them. You can no, modernize them. They they. I don't think those jokes would work without the the way he said them. I right. mean, he's a guy for, no. for whom jokes are like Gilbert Godfrey. Fun to try. Gilbert Godfrey's in that category <laughs> of jokes that just absolutely have to be presented in a certain way. Attell is in that category. I mean, if you just right. went on stage in his in, style, in, in any other way, just said, yeah, you know, girls don't like anal sex. They love it. It wouldn't yeah. work. It has to be. You had to look like him and present. She it looks like, like him. him. She had, can do his cadence. <laughs> she can do it. 
I don't know. She can. Do I don't know. Game. I think it's a fun thing to try. I don't know. Can can you, you can even it? have a, a a one person show saying, <laughs> you know, you know, like I don't. Uh, first of all, I don't know if that's even legal. By the way, yeah, it is. She. That's if, if anything. That's what she gets. No, it's not legal. Why not? Because who's going to sue her? Well, that's another story. Whether she gets sued or not, the estate of Jackie Mason. I'll we'll have to ask. I, I, I got your back. <laughs> we got to end, but I just want to say Jackie Mason was brilliant, but uh, I don't think he wrote a novel, did he? <laughs> well, no, I like Dan Adderman. Noam's been saying, I think I've, I've, I've gone up a level in Noam's esteem. I'll say that. Um, Absolutely. You know, Nick really seems impressed with you. He does seem impressed. I appreciate <laughs> it. I, I, I am. I, I'm totally impressed by, by, first of all, it's one of the only times I ever had to read or listen or do anything, you know, to, to, to a creation by a friend that uh, I actually was looking forward to. Thank you. Enjoying it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this book is, 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 it is truly a good book. And I'm repeating Amazing. myself. That's exciting. Wow. I'm excited to read it. Well, Me too. it's got to turn it into a screenplay. Um, well, Judd Apatow has a copy, so maybe he'll, you know, I, or not. Either way. Oh, I'm uh, so proud of you. Does it work as a screenplay? I'm not sure. I don't know. It might work as a Netflix limited series. For yeah. sure. Yeah, you know. it's exciting. But <laughs> I think that's better, actually. It would work as a series with, with, with new, you have new storylines and new stuff, right? Like the, the ongoing. Uh, yeah, you could. You could. I mean, I, I, it could just be a limited series. It's one season. You know, like like what they did with the chess sure. uh, show, what's that sure. called? The Queen's, Queen's Gambit, Queen's Gambit. Uh, which was excellent, too. Um, and a bunch of other limited series are great. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Netflix, what happens is, is these limited series become successful and they want to make money and they continue and it's never as good. No, but they're trying to make money. So I get it. Um, in any case, um, if that um, is on the table, I'd like to submit a job application. <laughs> as, as what a writer showrunner whatever i'm flexible food services well i'm happy to pass along your uh your writing sample okay. to, the, you. to the appropriate people can we can we wrap it up we yes. can certainly do that <laughs> so anyway apropos <laughs> apropos of my book iris spiro before COVID, available on amazon it's also available on barnesandnoble.com but most people buy it on Amazon. In fact, I don't think anybody's bought it on barnesandnoble.com, but uh, because I think they have to go through Amazon anyway. But um, anyway, it's available on Amazon. Uh, Jeff Bezos is uh, is my partner. He gets <laughs> he gets four dollars for ever more, actually, for every book. What's the currency on the moon? No. Uh, you know, he well, I'm <laughs> he didn't quite quite get to the moon. But anyway, um, <laughs> OK, um, and Periel has two books out. <laughs> This is a very literary podcast. Periel has two books out on my knees and the only bush I trust is my own. Also available on Amazon. People really, I didn't, I have not read them, but people really enjoy them. Bernie Fabricant enjoyed them a great deal. <laughs> and I'm selling ties. DannyCohenTies.com. <laughs> Try them out. He does sell ties. Yeah. He's not kidding around. They're embroidered ties, beautiful ties. I designed them in New York, man, in New York City. They're really nice. That's amazing. And Shiva Mason is producing a show every weekend at three monkeys which yeah. is where 54th and broadway 54th and broadway they have great food there by the way go for the food stay Thank for the comedy <laughs> and uh, and i drop by there sometimes i haven't been in a while because i told sheba when i have new material to try it i'll go and but don't she asked me every week and i she can continue to do so that that does not bother me and i drop by also everyone um <laughs> I will I will come back at some point. I just, you know, when I have some new stuff to work out anyway, um, I guess that's it. Thank Podcast at comedy dot com. Thank questions, you. Questions, comments and suggestions. And, uh, you know, th we, we weren't actually that respectful this uh, podcast, but uh, of course, we all, you know, our condolences to you losing your father. Oh, thank you. Very thank emotional, you. no matter what your relationship is. Thanks. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me on. No. Our pleasure. Well, I thought it was a Thank good you. show. I thought we appreciate you because uh, that to me was interesting. Anybody else? Uh, in oh, she's a class act. Yeah, <laughs> she, she is. So like almost like a therapy session. Uh, if you were my kid, I'd be so proud of you. I think you're a class act. You're refined. You walk through life. 
really, you have a very healthy mind. Thanks. You're smart. <laughs> you're kind. I love you. I don't know. I, if you were my kid, I wouldn't want to see so much cleavage, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> other than that, other than that, I'd be proud to have you as my daughter. That's why I wore the jacket. Thank you. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 <laughs>